And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Alright, it is the Weighing In Podcast, and I think I'm going to be part of this podcast because this has been a son of a bitch up to this point. I am pissed off. I am tired of all this internet crap. I am having difficulties, and Josh Thompson might take over at any moment because we have really screwed this up all the way through because we started recording, but we really didn't because Podcast Dave didn't record, which was good if you're me. It's bad if you're Josh. I don't know what to say. I got so many stories and I got things to talk about. I'm gonna, boy, we're gonna have fun in Japan. Oh, trust man. me. <laughs> we got a, we got about, I don't know, we got about ten minutes in and we realized, you know what? We're not recording any of this. <laughs> it no was one of the freaking stress of oh, dealing with John's okay. stress it's of okay, dealing with okay. me. What are well, you John, talking asked, about? Uh, let me, let me. Well, let's pick up where we left off from last week's show. Did you ever find the cow and the baby cow the, and the cow and the baby cow? The cows have been found. The cows have been found. Okay. The question is back in the corral. No, they are not. No. <laughs> and here, no, no. Just, it's like this cow knew something. John's laughing at himself right now. Dude, I'm telling you, took me. We're talking that cow traveled about three miles, okay, to a, down a creek to another farm where a cow's going to heat about every month for about eh, 18 hours, 20 hours at most, done. But when they do, they want a bull. Well, mama cow decided, I'm tired. I have had this baby on me, and I, it's about time I got some. So she can, they can smell another... <laughs> Bulls, that's how she, that's what she did. She broke through the fence, got down a creek, went down the creek about three miles and got laid. Oh, man. <laughs> so oh, now, man. Josh, I yep. still have my two cows there. Those two cows. I have other ones too. But Mama Cow, when she finally does come back, because the Mama Cow did not want to leave when we found her, did not want to leave the bull. Oh, that bull had fun. And even even oh. the owner of the bull is like, oh, she's pregnant. Trust me. Oh, yeah. Uh. He, he was all over it. So now I have two cows that are actually three cows. Because mama oh. is pregnant. And I swear to God, I was so pissed I was going to make mama a hamburger. And now I can't. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna have to silence that whole segment and make it exclusive to OnlyFans because that was <laughs> because, <laughs> <laughs> that was some pretty raunchy stuff oh, there. Man, oh, dude. This is great. This she, is great. She actually, you talk about working it out because it was like, you know, she was, a, I was going to separate her and her calf, which is now close to eight, nine months. It's about the time you wean them off and you start having feet. So I was going to separate them and put, you know, the baby off with two others. And then just like, hey, we might get rid of, you know, patty as i call her hamburger patty and it was like she knew and it was like oh that ain't happening here i'm gonna make sure it's not oh, happening well man. she's right it's not happening oh, so man tried to go pick her up the owner goes i've never seen a cow stick to a bull i can't get we can't get her We're, she's running through things right and i'm like 
shit. All right, look, let's. We're gonna take care of this when I get back. So I'll, I will have so a cow back say, when, when in, in Japan. You're saying Patty's a hoe. <laughs> That's Patty's a serious hoe. Patty is just. Oh man, she's. Yeah. She smelled that bobo. Bobo is the bull. That's oh, I just want you to know everyone. So everyone knows who the father is. The father is Bobo. <laughs> bobo the bull. This and Bobo is a big son bitch. Just man. for the no oh, man. Just for the clarifies the lengths women will go to to manipulate men. Boy, I tell you what, man. <laughs> I I had to apologize to the other farmers. I said, man, I apologize that my cow came in and molested your bull. <laughs> <laughs> oh no uh, oh no well so at least patty got laid that's a good patty thing. got laid patty's happy patty's she pregnant it all out no <laughs> man it's gonna be great it's gonna be great i can't wait to meet what are we gonna what are we gonna call uh bobo's son <laughs> it depends depends if it's a boy or girl oh yeah, we, I mean, we'll, we'll put a thing out there for someone to come up with the best name Patty two, we Patty Patty number. No, two. I don't want Patty two. No, quarter pounder, quarter pounder, quarter pounder. Yep, quarter pounder oh, might be good. right. Oh, man. Big Mac, John, uh, man, we outside of the outside of the the baby cow and the mother cow, and then getting laid, all these things. But uh, we got a lot of news to talk about this week. We got a lot of uh, yeah. fights coming up this weekend. We got Bellator over in Japan. You and I leave tomorrow morning, bright and early. Bright and, and early. Then we also have. UFC 291, Justin Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier. And then Fantastic. you've got Jan Blachowicz. Jan Blachowicz versus Alex Pereira. It's going yeah. to be a good card. This main card, it seems pretty stacked. seems like it should be pretty action-packed. The uh, prelims kind of trickle out a little bit, but there's a couple fights on the prelims that we'll chat about, but not all of them. But, uh, yeah, this should, should be some good action, on, I think, on this card. The good thing about with the Japan card is that only the Bellator card is only five fights. Oh, so those five fights, yeah, that's it. The rest Dead of the, the no. rising card on there is uh is the is the other the other fights. So just but one Archuleta is, only is five fighting. One Archuleta mm -hmm. is fighting for the rising bantamweight title against uh what is it, Uga Kubo? I think uh, I don't want to murder someone's name. I gotta see. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got blasted for murdering everyone's name last show, names last show. So Yeah, well trust uh, me. Those, but, try doing those names. You know what? Let's get right into the UFC 291 uh, main event. Let's go. Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje, buddy. Go ahead. Dude, you, know, you talk about a great, you know, first time. It was a phenomenal fight. And Justin Gaethje was doing great in that fight. He was eating up Dustin Poirier's legs, giving him a lot of problems. Dustin Poirier was having moments where, you know, his the straight punches he was throwing was getting there faster than the, the looping shots of uh, Gaethje at times. And it really... I mean, both of them showed big balls. You thought we were just talking about cows and bulls. Well, they just showed big balls in that fight. And it was just a matter of, you know, Dustin's power. He Dustin's got good power. He really does. He's got snap on his shots. And, and he just got to Justin before Justin was able to get to him because it was, it was just a war of attrition for both. Who was going to be the one that was going to get that shot that was going to do the damage first because the kicks on both parts you know, I think you're going to see both guys trying to adjust. I think you're going to see Justin doing what he did with Fazeev in trying to say, I'm not going to accept as much damage as I allowed to have happen. And I think Dustin Poirier is going to do the same thing. He's going to take away, especially those inside leg kicks that he was getting blasted with. It was doing a lot of damage to him. It's taking away his base. It's taking away his foundation. 
you can't have that because then the power does diminish and you know you're throwing shots but they're just not having the effect so i think both guys are going to adjust on it but josh in the end both guys are dogs both guys are yeah. just savages that you know what eventually they're both going to bite down and just throw and go after it and one of them is going to end up hurting the other and that's going to be your winner it's a 50 50 fight yeah it's a 50 50 fight 100 percent it is uh you know it, it, it tennessee the tennessee is to obviously go with the guy who won the first fight because just mentally sure. they feel like i've already won i already have already have a win against you the adjustments you make you're not going to change that much but that's where my argument will lie is that justin gaethje has changed a lot since that first fight especially he's a more in his last fight. fighter yeah especially his last, last couple fight. fights his last couple yeah. fights, he's been very patient. I mean, who was his last fight? Justin, or it was Fazeev, and Fazeev. then it was Chandler before that, right? Yeah, but see, the Chandler fight, I'm going to give it this. I thought Justin fought. That's right, he fought, oh, Char he fought, Charles he fought Chandler, then Charles, and lost. Yeah. But, you know, you, you take a look at it. The Fazeev fight is the one that you can really look at because Fazeev's stand-up and the way that he goes after fighters, that leads you into that, oh, I'm going to bite down and and throw back. And many times when that opportunity was there, Justin circled out. Justin reset. Justin came back at him. And I think it, that was one of the differences of why he won the fight. He just fought a much smarter fight. Well, I, I look. I go back to the Chandler fight. That's where I went back to because he started fighting smart in that fight. He was able to touch Chandler whenever he wanted, and when he did, you know, um, he had he was he didn't get, go chasing after it because Chandler is one of those guys that I expected the two of them to meet in the middle and just stand and bang. And they that's did. Not what happened. Oh, it they did, did a what? little bit, but they did. No, Justin, and, no, oh no, no, they, they did. You can Go say ahead. they did, but when I when I look when I look back at that fight though, Justin made he made the adjustments of throwing, stepping off line a little bit, and then re-throwing again, not standing directly in front of him. When he fought Dustin the first time, he stood directly in front of him and just traded. That's not what mm -hmm. he did in the Chandler fight. We started to see the evolution of of uh, Justin in the Chandler fight. That was like kind of the first fight. I felt like he really he understood he had to make the adjustments. And then understand that like he lost to Charles, coming back and getting his win against Fazeev. He fought a great, a great fight, an even better version yeah. of this new Justin than he did in the Chandler fight. The Charles fight just didn't go his way. Once, like literally, once he got taken down, or once his back got taken, I mean, you're dealing with the best submission guy in you know in the UFC at the time, you know, it's still now. So when I'm looking at that, I'm like, okay, look, he made a mistake. That's what cost him the fight, you know. But look, then he went on to fight Fazeev. He fought a very smart fight. It just, it he just, did. It, he's got a better version of when he fought Michael Chandler. And I look at what's going to happen in this fight. I think he's going to land the big shots, create a little angle, and then maybe start to throw again. Whereas before, he would stand directly in front of you. Go back to the Eddie Alvarez fight. He landed, rocked Eddie, and then he let Eddie hang on his head. And then Eddie just, Eddie then need him to the body, then need him to the face, and then uppercut him. Those are all things that happen to you when you're standing directly in front of someone and making it a dog fight toe to toe. And I don't think he's going to do that this time. I think he's going to create angles. I think if he does get clipped with something, he's going to take a step back and circle out. I don't okay. think he's going to just bite down on his mouthpiece and get after it. There's too much at stake. Like he said in his last fight in his post fight interview, he said, I'm going to make one more run at the title. And, uh, and you know, I don't have much left in me. So that lets you know okay. that he understands how important this is to get to that title again.
But there's one element you're missing in this. And this is the difference in this fight when I look at it. I love Justin Gaethje. He is the human highlight reel. He is just, he is absolutely exceptional to watch as far as what he brings to the cage and his tenacity and the way he goes after a fight. But I want you to tell me, name the, name the last three fights that he's lost. Charles Oliveira, he lost, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And the one before that? Habib. Okay. And now both of those. And he lost to he Habib lost. before that, and then he lost to. He, uh-huh. he, both of those. How did he lose? Uh-huh. Come on. Submission. Uh, by submission. By submission. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dustin Poirier is a good submission fighter. Dustin Poirier is good on the ground. And and if you're Dustin Poirier, you can go and look back and say, why, why am I going to sit here and, and, and try to outdo someone in this realm? I'll, t- I'll do the same thing I did with you know Chandler to the point where given the opportunity, I'm going to go after putting him on his back and I'm going to go after putting a submission on him. That's where I see that we have a big difference in who we are. If you're if you're if you're Dustin Poirier, you got to look and say, "I'm way better on the ground than Justin Gaethje." He's got he's got wrestling, but it's not the wrestling that when he was a kid. You know, he's a different he's a different person now, and he's a stand up fighter now. He can he can defensively, you know, stop a lot of wrestling maneuvers. But when he hits the ground, let's be honest, Josh, he's not the same fighter. And when you take a look at the the person he's fighting. Dustin Poirier many times has proven, hey, I'll go to the submission game, and he's got good submissions. He almost, Dustin almost submitted Habib. I'm not saying you know, I'm not saying Habib was going to tap, but I'll tell you what, he did a lot to get himself out of a guillotine that was on and tight. And if he can do that to Habib, he can definitely do that to Justin. Yeah, That's I would agree I with you. Difference. I just, I just, I don't see, I don't see Justin's head being down there. Habib's head's down there trying to get takedowns. I understand. I get what you're saying. I, I do agree with you that Dustin is the no, better grappler. I think I don't Dustin's going to look for the takedowns. I don't think Dustin's the better wrestler. He's not the better wrestler, but it's so, not wrestling. It's MMA. And there's differences in, in, in what, you know, how many times have you seen guys that are phenomenal wrestlers that get taken down by guys who couldn't wrestle at all as far as comparative and they get the takedown? Yeah, I get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying. Um, I, I just I don't I don't see this fight really going to the ground a whole lot. I can see Dustin yeah, maybe threatening it here and there. I don't see this fight going to the ground a whole lot. I think that Justin's going to make it. A, I think I, this is what I really believe. There was a lot of I watched a little bit of the twenty four seven on the fight, and I think Justin's been working on a little bit on his wrestling. He t- there was a lot of segments in there where he was focused on talking about his past in wrestling, talking about how he came up as a wrestler. I, I just, I look, I feel like he understands, look, the times that he's fought for the title, it's because he got his back taken or because he got taken down and just dominated and then gave his back. Like those are, or gave up a triangle or whatever it was. He gave up positions by losing on the ground. I think that if he's going to make this last run, like he's talked about, I think he's, he, he's, he understands that he needs to go back to the drawing board and reinvent this last run. If you want to reinvent this last run, you need to spend more time with your back against the wall. You need to spend more time with your back on the canvas. You need to spend more time 
you know, stepping in the center there of the mat and then learning how to defend takedowns and open mat. And I think if I really believe that he, he has that goal. Look, when he came from the, from, uh, from the world series of fighting, I was like, man, this kid's tough. I don't think he's going to be good though. Like, I don't think he's going to be able to get to that next level. And then, you know, they had, after his fight with Michael Johnson, I'm like, damn, you're, you're, I knew you were tough, you know, but then, you know, then I saw him, then I saw him progress and I just saw like people just could, he could just take damage. He could deliver a lot of damage. And I was like, but then I also came out publicly and I said some stuff on Twitter. I go, look, I love watching this kid fight. He's fun. You can tell he's got a good heart. You know, I, I do. I recall a lot of things that, um, that, uh, Dana White had said, he goes, look, a lot of fighters call me when it's their title shot. And say, I need tickets for these people. I need tickets for these people. And I need, I need rooms for these people. And they start demanding shit when they get their title shot. He's like, he's like, all Justin did was demand. He's like, could you please just make sure my parents are there? Mm-hmm. Like that lets you know where his priorities are. That lets you know that he's a good kid. That lets you know that he understands what's important in his life. And I think when he said, I'm going to make one more run at the, at the title and just let's see what happens. I think he reevaluated everything he's done in his career saying, look, I don't have much time. So I'm going to go back to the wrestling. I'm going to go back to the jiu-jitsu. I'm going to go back to doing all these things that I knew where I've come up short and make those adjustments. I believe in him, man. I believe in he's a good kid. I believe that he's got a lot to offer the sport. I just, I, and I understand what you're saying, but I think, I think you're going to see a lot smarter. Like, like we said, when we started this conversation, John, it's a 50, 50 fight. Even if there is takedowns, even if there is wrestling, it is, even if there is all these things, this is a 50, 50 fight, no matter what. So both of them have to be on their A game. If one guy is off by 2 or 3%, it's over. The other guy's going to win. That's just how it's going to go. Because there was moments in that fight where, where, where Dustin was hurt with the inside leg kicks. He was hurt on the feet. There was moments in that fight. And then at the end, it was Dustin who came out on top. But, man, it was back and forth. I think we're going to see a smarter, more calculated uh, Justin that's going to be – it's going to give, I think, Dustin a, even more problems in this fight. I don't think it's going to be a barn burner like everyone thinks. I think it's going to be a lot more calculated. There will be some exchanges in there, but I just feel like Dustin, Justin's going to fight a lot smarter, and it's going to be as a little bit slower paced fight. It won't be like the the first fight. Either way, I think it's still going to be a great fight. <laughs> I look at it. It's. I do think it's going to be a really good fight. I think there's going to be a lot of adjustments, like we were talking about from the first fight, and I think one of the adjustments is. I think you will see Dustin Poirier looking for a takedown. It's called being a smart fighter. And if there's one thing that Dustin has proven, yeah. he is a smart fighter. So he's got good coaches. They break things down. They know. And wh- why are you not going to always look for the least, the path of least resistance in getting that win? That's part of what your job is. you know. Yep. But. Everything, everything you. you said about everything you said about Justin Gaethje is absolutely correct. He's dude. He's a class act. He's a tough son of a bitch. He goes to fucking put on a show every time, and every time he does it. So it's a great fight. I love. Yeah, it. I got to be honest, man. I really admire both these guys. They both have always carried themselves with class. They've always been very respectful as much as they possibly could towards their opponents until their opponents been disrespectful to them. And when you get around yep. them. They've got great personalities. They're great people. They'll you know engage with fans. They'll engage with other people around them. That's just they they are the highlight of the sport, you know, in terms of what the sport should be representing. And they deserve all the clout they get because they're they're two of the best fighters in the world. And they have been a mainstay for a long time. It's it's actually nice to talk about two top level fifty five pounders who have been around for a long time and they're fighting in the toughest weight class in the whole sport. 
And I'm going to continue to say that as long as I possibly can. Okay? Don't get me wrong. The Bantamweights, I think, are right there. Maybe slightly ahead of them right now. But these guys have been mainstays in the toughest weight class in the sport for the last decade. So good for them. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, next fight. Jan Blahovich and Alex Pereira. That's a great fight. I think, you know, it's a... Here comes the one thing if you're going to talk about, is there a possible negative in it? There's always a possible negative. And the one that I'm going to, you know, the... The one that stands out the most for me is, has it arrived? Is this the time that Jan Blahovich really has slowed down to the point where he's getting hit with things that he didn't get hit with before because he's fighting a striker that is absolutely, he can, we can talk about the Polish power. Alex Pereira has got power. Uh, he's got a, he's got a left hook from hell. You know, he's got the, I always go with uh, Paul Daly. He's got the best left hook I ever saw in MMA. And if you watch all of the knockouts that Paul Daly's had, he has been phenomenal with that left hook. But Alex Pereira's left hook is pretty goddamn good, too. So Blahovich is going to be facing a guy that can definitely strike with him. This is another one. I take a look and say, look, you want to get the win. Go back to what you did with Izzy. And that would be your road to victory. Because if you can take him down, you take him out of his skill set. You take him, you put yourself out of the real danger of this guy and you make the fight a reasonable fight for you to win. If you try to keep this on the feet, I'm not sure that you're going to walk away with the win. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of different ways I can look at this fight. Like you said, he's got a big left hook. And as I recall, I'm trying to remember the guy. who Click on Jan Blahovich. Who was the guy that knocked him out right before, what, a couple fights back? Probably like four or five fights back. Maybe longer than that. Mm. I believe it was a left hook that really just fucking sat him right to his face. <clears throat> Jan Blahovich, yeah, scroll down so I can see. So Glover had rocked him a little bit in that fight as well, but there was another one further down. No, uh, Santos, Thiago. there you go. Yeah, so Santos Thiago, hit him Thiago with a big Santos. shot also. Yep, hit him with a big shot. And if I look at Alex Pereira, he's got the ability to do the same, very similar. He's going to wait for Jan he to does. kind of press forward a little bit, hit him with the big left hook, hit him with the shot that puts him face down. Jan was kind of reaching and coming in, and Tiago was the faster fighter, got there first. And I look at Alex. The only thing that concerns me a little bit with Alex is that I think he's got I think he's got better takedown defense than we realize. He just hasn't had to utilize it yet because the UFC on his run to the 185 pound title really didn't give him a lot of guys that were threatening the takedowns. They understood no. what was important. It was un, it was most important to get him to the Izzy fight so they can make their money yeah. on that fight. Sure, it was smart, smart. on their part. Absolutely, Absolutely smart. If you're a promoter, they understood what they were doing and what their goal was. Now for him to go up to 205 where he's not killing himself to make the weight. I, I, my only concern with him is that he is very hittable. Now, does he look just that hittable because Izzy is so damn fast? Because I know Jan's not that fast. It's not, it's not definitely not as fast as Izzy. But Izzy was able to crack him a couple of times. But Alex leaves his hands like almost at chest level, sometimes yes, lower than that when he yeah, fights. He and he's, he does get hit. He does get clipped. And as much as... He likes to, as much as Jan likes to talk about his Polish power, it's there though. He's got it. He's got the power. And Alice going up in weight, will he be able to take a better shot because he isn't cutting as much weight? Will he be a little bit more uh, sturdy and stronger? We're going to all find out. There's a lot of, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered in this fight. Is his takedown ability as good as, as people talk about? Glover said, no, he's got good takedown. Is he able to get back up after he does get taken down? Cause we saw Izzy wasn't able to get back up from underneath Jan. You know, in terms of 
to the point where he could win him the fight. But um, can he continue to do it over and over? Can John, does John have the cardio to keep taking him down for five rounds? Uh, I know maybe this will be a three round. Sorry, I, won't, I was thinking it was for the title, of course. No. Um, but you know, you have you have Alex with the you got Alex with the power. Alex is just as big, if not a little bit bigger than him than Jan. Um, there's a lot of things. The submission threat. How much of how much is it really there? Does he have good submission defense? Like I said, there's tons of questions, John, that need to be answered in this fight, and we're gonna find out because Jan, I think, is gonna try to do what he did to Izzy. He's gonna try to take him down, try to control him. You know, and uh, work for a submission. If not, try to ground and pound him out. All of those things. But we have to remember, every round starts on the feet. Yeah, it does. But it's a matter of, you know, it's... Jan's got, Jan has got his hands full. Because he he has to get the takedown. I don't care if you're going to... You can sit there and compare all you want. If you go back and you watch Jan, even before he got to the UFC, when he was at KSW, he used to take people down all the time. He used a lot of ground and pound. He used a lot of control. And... It worked for him. He was a fantastic fighter at KSW. That's why the UFC signed him. And then he had some struggles as he kind of changed because in the, you know, let's just be honest. There's times when the, with the UFC, they want you to be that spectacular knockout guy because that sells. And he wants to, you know, be that guy. He wants to make them happy and kind of was switching over to it. Speed is going to be a big difference in this fight. Jan Blahovich is not as fast as Alex Pereira. And that's going to be a problem for him if he doesn't get the fight to the ground. Well, I, like I was, we were just talking about the the wrestling. You're saying how he used to wrestle a lot more in KSW, but let's let's you be did. honest. As you get older, the last thing we want to do is fucking wrestle. <laughs> the last thing we want to do is be in camp, getting takedowns all the time. At forty, he's forty what forty or forty one years old. I'm not trying to take people down, man. Yeah. I'm trying to make this thing as easy as possible. I might try one or two as an attempt, but. I don't really see. I don't. That's why I say like I can see Jan working for a takedown. I don't know if he makes it his full main focus, especially if Alex stuffs one or two. So we'll see, though. I guess we're going to see. That's why we fight the fight, yeah. correct? That's it. All right, and our next fight that we're going to talk about is Stephen Thompson and Michelle Pajera. Look, John, we're we're having a little bit of like some internet problems, so we keep dropping off and picking back up. But guess what? We're getting it figured out. We got a. This is the clearest you've looked in the last six months. So. <laughs> the wrinkles are gone, buddy. I can see you. You're beautiful again. Dude, oh, wrinkles. It. Obviously, it's not clear because the wrinkles have not gone anywhere. <laughs> They're only <laughs> deepening. Uh, what do you think of this fight there, John? I think it's a great matchup. It's it's a question of they're both highly skilled. And, and you know, we we've, we talk at nauseum about Stephen Thompson and how good he is in the stand-up and the way he, the, he attacks the fights. Pajaya is that, that guy that you look at he started off you know when when i first started watching him fight you know people were all crazy about him because you know he's doing backflips and all these crazy maneuvers inside of the cage and you go yeah but that's not good for fighting and yeah. you know some of the things he's doing look that's illegal and he's just not getting called on it because some dumbass referee doesn't understand it yeah. but you look and he's really he has really centered himself brought himself out of those situations has become you know, not quite as entertaining as far as the acrobatics, but he's become a much better fighter. Yeah, I feel like and, he's become smarter. He's become smarter in there. He understands. He's almost taking like a little bit of the road of the Justin Gaethje, like we were talking yeah. about. Just learning that, like, hey, I'm not. I can be entertaining, but I'm never going to get to the title if I keep doing it this way. Exactly, and that's the real question. Is you you take a look at him now and you go, look, he's got a ton of skill. First off, 
For 170, he's huge. Huge. Big. Okay. He's got speed. He's got strength. He does have a good gas tank when he's not doing stupid things as far as, you know, like anytime you're going to be doing backflips and, and jumping off of the cage consistently and doing all these spinning attacks, like you're, you're just burning gas. You're like a dragster at the drag strip. They don't have big gas tanks and they go a very short distance. And, you, you know, you've become that. He has really changed that approach. And in fighting someone like Stephen Thompson, I think he knows, hey, I, I've, got, I've got to really be smart in the way I approach this. I don't think it's going to go to the ground much. I don't think uh, Michelle Pahea has got that real takedown ability to get Stephen Thompson to the ground. Obviously, he can hit him and hurt him and put him down if that happened that way. But wrestling-wise or takedown-wise, Stephen Thompson is, has fought very good takedown people that have not been able to put him on his back. Obviously, he's slowing down a little bit. I'm not going to sit here and you know not say that you know, Stephen Thompson hasn't slowed down a notch. He has, but he's also changed up what he does to a point, and he's adjusted based upon that. And as an offensive fighter, you're not going to find a whole lot of people that offensively is better than Stephen Thompson in the stand-up. Maybe he doesn't have the biggest one-punch power, but, man, you know, we're talking about volume of attack and a guy that just puts him on you till you fold. I look at this as a fantastic matchup as far as styles. I think Pahea is the younger, obviously, I think, bigger, stronger fighter and got a ton of skills, but he's going up against that what we call the KG veteran and a guy that's got a ton of skill and technique sitting there on the side too. So great matchup. Well, I'm like a dragster too. I'm very fast in shortnesses. Just ask my wife. I'm very fast in shortnesses. <laughs> that's just that's a whole different <laughs> but, rule set. That's what my cow was doing in the pasture. <laughs> Steven Thompson is um he what he has over Michelle Bahia is he's got the fight IQ. It doesn't matter in terms of sure, Bahia is actually getting better. He's becoming smarter in the way he approaches the game. But he moves himself out of position a lot. You know, he leaves himself out of position, and Stephen Thompson is one of the best counter strikers in the game. He's very accurate with the strikes. He's he's fast. He does throw things. He is slowing down a little bit, but he does throw yep. things straight. It's a straight line from his chin to that person's face, and those ones always get there faster. That makes you feel like you're faster. It makes it make it seem like you're the faster fighter when you're throwing something straight to the target. And uh, he maybe doesn't have the one crunch knockout power, but his accuracy and his movement and the way he can hit you with the, the straight jab and then a little bit of the straight left and then also switch it and follow it up with a kick and hides it behind everything makes you dangerous because yep. it's not the one punch that always has to get you. It's the accumulation of punches, one, two, three, right after each other, a long mixed and hit up, hit up with, the, uh, with the kick. He does a great job of doing that. I think he'll also use that side kick quite a bit to keep up uh, off of him and crushing the space because he doesn't want to be have that monster of a body just hanging on him against the fence and, and trying to drown that energy and soak all the energy out of him, especially as this fight goes on in the second and third round. Steven Thompson is very smart when it comes to his fight IQ. He's very smart in keeping his back off the fence. He's good at keeping that wide stance, utilizing that back foot um, kind of inside that black line to the to the fence. He has a good understanding of where the cage is and where the fence is and where that black line is. Okay, this is where I can go and this is where I've got to get out of. And um, I've got to be honest, I look at Steven Thompson, I'm waiting for that day that he eventually, you know, just slows down to the point where guys are just touching him too much. But it hasn't come yet because, you know, you and I got on here one day and I was, 
saying, hey, man, Kevin Holland's the faster fighter. Kevin Holland's this. Kevin Holland's that. Well, guess what? Kevin Holland made me look like an asshole. <laughs> Steven Thompson went out there and got the job done. He was the faster fighter. He was more accurate. And I get it. Kevin Holland didn't fight a smart fight. But Steven Thompson just fought great fight IQ, great performance, yeah. did what he had to do to get the win. I look at Pajara. He's got to get this fight to the ground. If he doesn't get it to the ground, I think he's going to be target practice. I think early in the fight, it'll be a little bit of back and forth. Steven Thompson's going to pick and choose his shots, try not to get hit with the big shot. But as the fight goes on by the like the end of the first, into the beginning of the second round, I look at I look at Steven Thompson. He's just going to be too much for him. I'm not saying there's I'm not saying there's going to be a finish because Pajara can take a big shot, but I look at uh, Steven just being the, the more of a, the technician. Yeah. I, I... I agree with you. It, the, the big difference here, if there was one thing that I, I really I enjoyed and loved in, in refing Stephen Thompson's fights was his timing. And it's something that a lot of people don't understand. You, know, you, you don't have to have that real length when you have timing. You know, your timing and the way that you, when you come in and the way that you come in and the way that you exit, it's all based on that timing. And if there's one thing that Stephen Thompson has, he has that ability. He understands it, and he uses timing very well. So it's going to be a tough fight for Pahit. He can beat anybody, especially at 170, but he's got a, he's got a, a big task ahead of him with Thompson, I think. You know, John, these are these are two guys that are coming up next in a, a big fight that I actually am really excited to see, and two guys that I lost to. And I know a lot of you guys, when I talk about my fight, I just saw a bunch of comments. Oh, Gilbert Melendez this, Gilbert Melendez that. And then everyone's like, oh, Josh can't stop talking about Nate Diaz. Well, guess what? I'm talking about two guys that I've got two losses to. I've got one to Bobby Green. I got one to Tony Ferguson, and I got I can't I can't say enough about these guys. They're both fantastic fighters. They've both um, you know I know Tony's having coming over some some big losses. You know in terms of he just hasn't been able to get that win. But let's look who he lost to. You know when I look at go ahead and pull up Tony Ferguson's oh, record there. Man, are you kidding? The, guy, the guys he's no, lost to he's lost think, to the who's who. Yeah, he started off with Justin Gaethje, right? Mm -hmm. That was a loss. Then Charles Oliveira was, I think, I believe the next loss. Yep. Okay. I don't have a screen, so I could definitely. And then be Benil Dariush, and then Michael Chandler, and then Nate Diaz. Yep. You know. Yes. The the fight against Michael wow. Chandler. I mean, as everyone remembers, I mean, he ended up. He winning was doing the first well. Round. He won the first round. He was doing he well. Was doing he just well. got clipped in the second round. You know, and then yeah. the fight with Nate Diaz. For me, I don't know if I don't know what it was about that fight. He just well, didn't first off, that wasn't his fight. That wasn't. No, I get his it. Fight. That's true. That's you know, true. You got to, they did, did the big switch and everything, true. and so things change and everything. And so I look at that one. It's this is this is a fight that I think Tony's up against it again, though. It's not an easy fight yeah. for him, style wise. Bobby Green is difficult for anybody to fight based upon the way he fights. And be, and here's the the real fact: is Tony can wrestle, Bobby can wrestle. Tony doesn't really wrestle that much anymore, and he wants to stand up and, and go with you. And he's going to have a hard time going with Bobby Green. Bobby Green is still fast. Tony's not as fast. Yeah, yeah. Tony's got a lot of miles on him, especially over these last fights. You know, you've got the Charles Oliveira fight where I mean, he he got beat up pretty bad. The same thing with the Gaethje fight. Both those fights, he got beat up pretty bad. Uh, you know, the Benil fight, he got beat up kind of you know but it wasn't it wasn't one of those things like it was with the Gaethje and the uh and the Charles Oliveira fight no yeah you know, the, the you gotta look that the Gaethje fight near the end of that when you were talking when you're talking you know into the fourth round he started taking a ton of damage yeah a ton of damage and so yep. you know tough never ever would I ever say anything I love Tony you know been around him too much 
you know, uh, I only want the best for him. There, you won't find anybody mentally tougher. You might find guys just as, but no one's going to be mentally tougher than Tony. He is a tough son of a bitch who will die before he gives in. You know, and and that's just the kind of guy that he is. And you know, the, he the real question here is, and we talk about it, goddamn, almost every show. Josh speed kills. And when you're the slower fighter here and it's going to end up being a fight where you probably cannot put it in a position where that doesn't become an element. It's tough. Yeah. It's a tough road. I think though, what makes this fight interesting to me is that both of them are older, but they also too is Bobby green has more of the roller style, um, you know, defense when it comes to his boxing, but, Tony has a problem a little bit with the kicking and Bobby doesn't really kick a whole lot, you know, yep. <clears throat> uh, on top of that, the, you know, Tony's still, believe it or not, he still has a great chin. I mean, look at the fights he lost. He took a lot of damage. He still has a great chin. The Chandler thing, anyone would get knocked out by that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so You're going to knock out I, a horse with that one. Yeah. And so when I look at this fight, like I think Tony's not going to, I don't think Tony's going to spend a lot of time trying to get the takedown. He's not that kind of guy. On top of that, though, too, Bobby's got pretty good wrestling. It's not great, but it is good. On the ground, I'm going to give the advantage to Tony. If, if he starts oh, yeah. going back submission to submission-wise. Yeah, submission-wise. Submission-wise, no, no doubt. All yep. of those things. Um, you know, But let's not forget, I think Bobby's last fight was against Drew Dober, right, where he got knocked out. Can you pull up Bobby Green's fight? No. It was, it, was I believe one? that was, that oh, was Jared his last Gordon. loss. He, he had the one with Gordon where it was a headbutt and ended up that's in no right. contest. That's right. That's right, yeah. So, you know, they went through that, but then like, you know, but he lost to Islam, you know, which he took on what, what week's notice, to, yeah, you know, something like that. I don't count that one also. And then I look at Drew Dober, you know, he was winning that fight, just got clipped in one of the exchanges in the second round, but he was fighting beautifully. I mean, one thing yeah. with him, I feel like he's aged very well in terms of how he gets the job done, you know, coming off the, the win over Nazarak, uh, Hasparat, how do you say his Hasparat. name? Hasparat. Yeah. And then he beat Ali Quinta before that. But I mean, like. You know, for a while there, he was pretty damn busy fighting everyone, man. His fight with Rafael Vaziv, man, that was a great fight. A fantastic fight. fight. And he won the third round. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Maybe not on one judge's scorecard, as I recall, but yes, he won that third round. I mean, he's he's the guy that, like, he'll string three together, and then he'll lose one or two, and then he'll string two or three together, and then he'll lose one, and then, you know what I mean? So he's, but he's he's a fantastic fighter, and I can't say enough about both of these guys. Look. I know I, I have lost to both of them, but I got nothing but mad respect for both of them. They, they'll fight anybody, anytime, the who's who. You know, I was actually supposed to fight Michael Johnson instead of Bobby Green. Bobby Green took the fight on two weeks' notice, you know, because Bob, uh, Michael Johnson pulled out. And so I look at these guys. These guys will fight anybody, anytime. And it's so funny. The story behind that is he had literally called Daniel Cormier like two weeks before and said, hey, do you mind if I come down and train at AKA? And he's like, hey, let me let me uh, ask Josh Thompson. And I told him, I said, yeah. I said, tell him, go ahead, come on down. And then like less than like a, probably seven, eight days later, they said he he's like, hey, he took the fight against you. <laughs> so he won't be coming. I'm like, that son of a bitch. <laughs> so, but I got nothing but respect for both those guys. I'm one of those guys. And John, you know, this is I'm one of those guys. I don't have any ill will towards any of the guys that fought. I mean, I've got. I had a little bit of towards Clay for a long time, but Clay and I hashed it all out just recently in San Jose, and he's a great guy. And I always knew he was a great guy, um, but I had to see it for myself kind of thing. So, <coughs> sorry. But, uh, no, fantastic, fantastic fighter. Fantastic. Both of these guys are. I'm looking forward to it and seeing this fight. Yeah. This is, this, this, is a, this is a matchup where you can take a look at. Both guys are, 
in that position, both getting a little bit older in the division and everything. But Tony needs a win. Yeah. We'll see if he can get one. Then yeah, you got Michael Chiesa versus Kevin Holland. That's a hell of a matchup, I think. That's a hell of a matchup. And, and, and there is the elements that I look at. You know, on the ground, both of them are really good. I give the edge to Chiesa. Yes. I, I just Michael Chiesa on the ground has got some great ground skills, beautiful body positioning, uh, great base, and, and just the, the ability to know how to press someone to make them move in the direction he wants them to go. But in the stand-up? Oh, yeah. I got to I got to give it to Kevin Holland by far. I think Holland's got speed on him. He's got I think he actually got you know some length on him too. But you know Kevin Holland can stand up and fight when he wants. And uh it's just as long as he's focused and not screwing around. Now I, I'm okay with him having fun. I think that's good and I think it relaxes him and makes him ha- you know be able to fight well. But you you got to at least be focused on the fighting, not on yeah. someone in the crowd or talking to somebody. Yeah, the best performances of uh, most fighters, I see it when they're having fun out there. When they yeah. are enjoying the moment is when they're the most relaxed. They're not expending energy when they shouldn't be. They're not tense, which makes you even more fatigued and tired. I mean, Kevin Holland is a fantastic fighter. If he fights smart, I think this is his fight to lose. Because on the ground, the length of his jiu-jitsu, the way he's so tall and long and lanky, will give Michael Kiesa some, some issues at first. I think Kiesa sure. is the better grappler, but <clears throat> does Kiesa have the wrestling to get Kevin Holland down? doesn't take much to get Kevin Holland down these days, but <laughs> but on the feet, though, when the strikes are coming, Kiesa's wrestling is not the same as it, as it is when someone gives him the open shot and the takedown. But I'll look at this fight, and I think Kevin Holland's going to be good and dangerous off the back. The big hands, gripping the wrist control, controlling, elbowing, using whatever, you know, how he did against uh, Jacques Array with a little backhand. Expect things like that to come from the bottom, from Kevin Holland. Mm-hmm. But if Kevin Holland is the smart fighter in this situation, John, he needs to focus on getting back to his feet. Not hanging out on the bottom, not hanging out trying to get past or trying to sweep or trying to get the submissions. Threaten him a little bit, but it's that whole sit up, sweep, submit, or submit, sweep, get up. If you can't do any of those in a row, then just get the guy off you and get back to your feet. So I think with his length, I'm surprised he's not able just to kick people off more often because of the reach and the, of those legs. But I think this is gonna be, this makes for an interesting fight because if Kessler doesn't get this fight to the ground, he's gonna have a little bit of a problem with uh, Kevin Holland on the feet. Yeah, Kevin Holland's proven on the feet he can be very good. You know, sometimes he gets a little, a little out there as far as you know, overextending and things like that. But he can be good. Yeah. Uh, now my next fight is I'm actually kind of excited to see him because his brother just fought recently and lost was uh, Gabriel Bonfim. Bonfim, and then you've got Trevin Bonfim, and then Trevin Giles. Trevin Giles, good fight, good Trevin matchup. Giles. But Bonfim's fourteen and zero. His believe his brother was undefeated also, and just lost his O. But uh, this makes for a fun fight, man, because the Gabriel's the one that's a little bit more. I wouldn't say they're they're both pretty damn exciting, but um, both fantastic fighters. I'm, I think you're gonna end up seeing the two of these kind of just get after it on the feet, and uh, and let it all hang out, man. Yeah, Trevin Giles is he's a good fighter. He's solid. You know, but there's times when I watch him and it seems like his focus in the fight kind of goes away and you can see him starting to lose it. Mm-hmm. He can't do that with Bonfim. Bonfim is athletic. He's very talented. His stand-up is good. His ground game is good. So Giles is going to have to be on on point to get a win against Bonfim. And then you've got Derek Lewis versus uh, Marcos Rogerio de Lima. 
Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can think Dude. about is someone's going to sleep. <laughs> someone's going to sleep. Someone's going to sleep. That's it. Yeah, it's good. To me, that's the only thing I can really think about with that fight. Like, I, Derek loses a bit. He was had a great run for a while, was having success, but he's hit a rock right now, and uh, he's been kind of stumped lately. Hasn't been able to uh, look, look, click on Derek Lewis. When was the last time that he he won a fight? He's lost this, a couple this in was, a row. This was pretty simple though, because look yeah, at Delima three in a row. Delima sh should work at getting Derek Lewis to the ground and being in the top position. He does. He's going to get a win. If Derek Lewis gets on top of Delima, Derek Lewis is going to get a win. So then you take a look at the stand-up. They both kind of swing wild. They both have their little burst. But I really look at this as going to end up, someone's going to end up going to the ground. And whoever that person is, and they're on the bottom, they're the one that's going to be your loser in the fight. I could see that. I could see that. All right, next fight. I'm going to take a look. I'm going to go through this real quick. John, is there, I'll read them off to you because I know you don't have your uh, your page up today. I don't have anything. Uh, but you've got uh, Roman Kopilov versus Claudio Ribeiro. You've got Jake Matthews versus Darius Flowers. CJ Vergara versus Vinicius Salvador. You've got Matthew Summersberger versus Aros Medic. Medic. I don't know how you say his name. Medic. And then you got Miranda Maverick versus Pris uh, Priscilla. How do you say her last name? Cochera, Cochera, Cochera. No, it's Cochera, Cochera. Remember the one with yeah. the eye gouging. The girl oh, I know. Trying to eye I gouge. know one, yeah. Yeah, yep. and then Miranda, Miranda Maverick. Um, you know she's coming off her loss. She just fought, what, like a month ago? I want to say. You know, yeah, she's she, coming off that loss. She had, she had so the, this, the loss to Jasmine. Yes. How do you say that girl's Tough last fight. name? Javicius. 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 Yeah, Javicius. Yeah. Beautiful, man, we've, I beautiful know, guys. Canadian I read your, I read your name. Comments. You guys butcher us. Beautiful yes, Canadian yes. name. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys. Well, hey, that's going to wrap up our UFC. I believe this is UFC 291. And uh, we're going to head into Bellator. Bellator happens this weekend in Japan. There's only five fights on the Bellator card. <clears throat> and uh, Patricky Pitbull is fighting AJ McKee. No, he's no. not. <laughs> was, what? It, was, was it announced? Was it, it was not. Not that I saw. This won't drop till tomorrow. Exactly, I mean, and I'm just going to put it out. I don't care now. Oh, okay. <clears throat> well, well Patricky Vera is fighting Roberto. What, what were what were we told? What were we told? What were we told? That's coming we out. We were today. told that it was coming out today. All right. Well. So am I supposed yeah, to lie Patricky, about this now? Uh, Patricky Pitbull is fighting. There has been a change of opponent. AJ McKee is Satoshi. Yeah, Satoshi. Uh, AJ McKee is out with an injury and uh, undisclosed uh, injury. Uh, I don't know. If it, I wouldn't call it. I don't know if I call it an injury, but it's a little bit of a um, medical issue. Uh, health, yeah, health issue. Yeah. And nothing. It's nothing super bad, as in hopes. So, but uh, I think they caught it early enough that everything is fine. So, uh, but Pitbull will fight. We'll be fighting Roberto de de Jesus. De Sousa. And, uh, De Sousa should be a good fight, man. If you guys don't know, Roberto Satoshi is fantastic on the ground. And everyone's oh. like, I know you guys are probably thinking to yourself, well, you guys already had um, Tofik Mosaev on the on the card. And then you also have Patricky Pitbull, who's fought him before. And, and Tofik was in the fought tournament. Him in Ryzen. Yeah, he fought him in Ryzen. He fought him in Ryzen for their uh, Ryzen lightweight tournament. But then... Yep. When you take a look, and from what I, John, you'll speak more on this, is 
the lightweight tournament or the tournaments themselves, if you lose a fight in a tournament as a TKO or a submission, you're not allowed to come back into the tournament, correct? KO, KO, TKO, submission, you will not be allowed to come back into that. If you lose by decision, there's a possibility if there's a, a spot that opens up, they can use you as a replacement, mm -hmm. as an alternate for that fight. But if you lose by KO, TKO, or submission, you will not be asked back. And that's why Tofik Musayev, who lost to Alexander Shabli by TKO, that was it. He broke his ribs, and so he could not be put back into it. But I'm being honest when I say I think that Satoshi is the better fight. I think it's the tougher fight. I mean, Pitbull and Mosiah, they match up well because they're both big strikers. They both like to be in the stand-up. Roberto D'Souza has really, he's changed, you know, living in Japan and being the guy who, uh, you know, has been fighting for Ryzen. He's really changed his style. Came in, you know, we all know how good he is in jiu-jitsu. Okay, we're talking about a world champion. We're talking about a guy that competes in, you know, ADC and the absolutes going against, you know, guys like Gordon Ryan and stuff like that. He's a phenom when it comes to jujitsu. You take a look at some of his wins. He's got a win against Tofik Musayev, who yep. Patriki Pitbull lost to. And he he submitted Musayev, I want to say, look, it was somewhere in about a minute and a half. Like minute 30, man. It wasn't a lot. On there. It wasn't a lot. It was a beautiful, you know, triangle. Put it, snapped it on. He's got that ability to do that to anyone. And, and you, when you're looking at Pitbull, look, Pitbull's got power. Pitbull is getting up in age where he's not the same guy as far as he likes to control the fight more. He likes to have spurts. He doesn't come after you with that same, you know, just the intensity of the past. Look, the thing about Satoshi is the guy has got incredible jujitsu, but he's got power in his hands too. And he's gotten better and better and better with that stand-up game where he explodes and he's hurting people. You know, he's dropped quite a few guys now with the power. He went eh, the three rounds with AJ McKee in that uh, Ryzen versus Bellator New Year's Eve thing. You know, he lost it, but he had his moments and he had his moments where he almost had AJ in trouble. So looking at this fight, I think that Roberto D'Souza is a tougher matchup overall in five rounds of fighting with Patricky Pitbull. Now, the, the real question is, he's got a school in Japan. He's always training, but he is taking this last minute. And so what kind of shape is he in? Yeah, I mean, we're going to find out once this, once uh, the bell rings and they get after it. So, I mean, but I like yeah. the fact that he's the rising champion and that they're putting in the rising champion to have a potential of winning the Bellator uh, World Grand Prix belt. Yeah. And uh, it, in, obviously, whoever the, the champ is in this tournament, Usman Nurmagomedov. And so if he gets to the to the finals, he will be fighting for the actual title along with the the, the World Grand Prix title belt. So you get your two belts. If he can get this win, I mean, in a million dollars, I mean, that'd be something huge. So I'm looking for I'm looking forward to it. I would I really wanted to see the Agent McKee and Patricky uh, Pitbull fight, but I, I get it, man. The, you know you got to take care of your health first, and uh, Agent will be back. Yep. He will now. He will move to being the number one alternate. So if somebody else does fall off, AJ will slide in. That's already been which is great talked about and confirmed. yeah, which is great. But That's you know, I, I just don't see anyone sliding out of this thing once it goes. It's like normally it's first normally it's first round. Every now and then you'll get a. 
you get a semi, you know, finals. But when guys get to that point, they're sniffing that million dollars. They do a lot to uh, to make that fight. Yep. All right, next fight will be the inaugural featherweight title that is on the line right now against Kyoji Horiguchi. Huh? Flyweight, flyweight, flyweight. flyweight. What, what did I say? I said lightweight? Featherweight. Oh, featherweight. Oh, sorry, my bad. Flyweight, flyweight. Yeah. Uh, Horiguchi versus Takahashi. Uh, I mean, this is going to be a what? good fight, John. People, I think, are overlooking Takahashi, Takahashi a little bit because Horiguchi's got such a big name. You, you kept on saying Takahashi. Yeah, that's what it has listed on here. That's why I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, his, his name is Makoto Shinru. Uh, isn't it? That's what he goes by. What? Oh, I gotcha, but they have it listed as Takahashi. And I remember it was Shinru when we were talking on the Shinru is his nickname? Yeah, it's, yeah it's that's what he goes by. He doesn't go by Takahashi, though. That's why I'm okay. saying it. Is it Shinru or Shin, Shinyu or Shinru? The Y you, is silent, you, correct? Yeah, Shinyu. Shinyu. Okay. Shin Yu? I thought the Y was silent and the R was no, Shin Yu. Okay, so it's you. Shin Yu. Don't, don't, the R is silent. Shin Yu. Okay. Okay. Shin, Makoto Shin Yu. Okay. But, but. I mean, look, look, both these guys are good on the feet. Both of them are fantastic. Horiguchi is going to be, I think, a little bit of the faster fighter and the ability to move on the outside and get in and get out. I think he possesses more power. But, uh,. Makoto's got he's got good stand up he's good all the way around but he, they're gonna both look I think to keep this thing on the feet I think Horiguchi will mix in some of the wrestling to threaten it a little bit but that's about I think that's kind of what you're gonna see this is a five round fight though because it is a title fight so it's a double co-main event I'm looking forward to this fight a lot yeah the real difference is you're talking about power you're right Horiguchi's got power where I don't think that Makoto has got that same level of power I think Makoto when it gets to the ground does a great job with his ground and pound, hits big elbows, does beautiful work down there, and I think he has to get this to the ground. I think he has to get Horiguchi on his back so he can do some damage to slow Horiguchi down a little bit and continue that evolution of every round. Make him work. Put him on his back if you can. Do those things that you do so well because he does throw good shots and big-time elbows with his ground and pound and he's got a good submission game so i don't think he can submit uh horiguchi but man i'll tell you what if he gets to the top position he's got beautiful uh balance he moves very well he transitions beautifully so he's a handful i think horiguchi's experience is the big difference here horiguchi has fought better fighters overall throughout his career where makoto now is facing the best fighter he's ever fought that's true. That's true. Like you said, Horiguchi's fought the who's who in this in this division in terms of the flyweight division. And he's also gone up to the 135-pound division and fought yep. those guys as well that are the top in the game. Then you got Kana Watanabe versus Vita Ortega. <clears throat> what do you think? I'm sorry, what was that? I couldn't hear you. Oh, sorry. You got Kana Watanabe versus Vita Ortega? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, dude, you know... Kana Watanabe in Japan is a big-time thing, and she's a phenomenal judo player. I think they're giving her a person in Vita that is just, I hate, I don't know how to say it the right way, just dog tough. Vita Ortega has proven she is just a warrior, someone that goes out and will not stop, will not give in. And so if Kana Watanabe, in my opinion, 
doesn't get this fight to the ground, this fight is going to start to slip away from her. I think that Ortega is such a just, just I don't want I don't know how to say it in the right way, but such a savage as far as does not get deterred. She gets hit with shots and she keeps coming forward. We saw in her her last fight where she lost to Sumika Anaba. You saw Anaba being just a sniper, a technician, and with her stand up. Watanabe is not that same type of fighter. Watanabe's better on the ground, and she's great with her ground and pound there, and her submissions are good, but she's not the sniper in the stand-up like Anaba is. And in the fact that Ortega will walk through a lot of the shots that an average stand-up fighter will throw, she better. I just look at it. Kana Watanabe in front of her hometown crowd needs to get Ortega to the ground. Yeah, I look, Vita, she sometimes, she's, like you said, she's aggressive, she comes forward, she'll take a shot, give a shot. The thing with her is that she tends to smother herself when she lands something and she blitz you. That puts True. you right in the grips of Kana Watanabe, which is going to make it easier for Watanabe to actually throw her hip toss her foot sweeper, all of those things. And the slickness of Kana Watanabe when it comes to her judo is pretty damn impressive. So, I mean, yeah. I'm looking for this fight. It will it will hit the ground. And when it hits the ground, can Vita survive the submission attempts? Because Watanabe is good on the ground. Good submission attacks. Good triangles. Good arm bars. Good kimuras. She works from all angles. She's somebody on top who is definitely difficult to deal with. Vita, like, she's good. She's got good wrestling. Decent. It's not great. But it's good enough to kind of stuff some of the, maybe the, the, the normal takedown ability. But... Watanabe's not going to hit you with the normal takedowns. She's going to hit you with nope. the foot sweeps, the inside trips, the the hip tosses. And I know there's all the other uh, names for them, the Japanese names for judo for them, but I don't know those. So <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and try to pretend like I do. So I'm looking forward to that. That should be a good fight as well. But the fight that I'm most looking forward to on this whole card, yeah, I'm not trying to take anything away from any other fighters, but is the Magomed Magomedov versus Danny Sabatello. That fight <laughs> right now has got fight. me excited. I love Sabatello it. Sabatello Mafia coming your way in Tokyo, Japan. <laughs> you got to love Danny Sabatello. I like I, Danny Sabatello brings fun to the fight game. A lot of people don't like him. A lot of people are upset with him with, you know, flipping, you know, people off and stuff. He doesn't give a shit and and neither do I because I think he is a blast to watch. But this is a fight where you look and you know, a lot of people are going to say that you know, Magomed Magomedov has got outstanding wrestling. He's had those moments where, you know, he's used his wrestling and his ground game, and he does have a very good ground game. He's the better submission fighter if you're looking at it. I think he's the better stand-up fighter. He's got great spinning attacks. He's very much, you know, comes from the same school as Zabit Magomedov Sharapov. He's got the same type of spinning attacks, same type of, you know, attacks that you see from those uh, brothers. But... Danny Sabatello, if there's one thing about him, he is tenacious. He does not give in to, oh, you stopped the one takedown. Well, here's another. Well, here's another. Well, here comes another. And, oh, here, I want another. How about another? Let me give you one more. Here's another. And that's what makes him difficult. He does not get, you know, he doesn't you know, lose any of that swagger. He doesn't sit there and get, you know, to the point where, he gets down on himself because it didn't happen. He just keeps coming back with more. 
Well, we talked to his coach, Mike Brown, and Mike Brown's like, look, this guy, outside of maybe Kobe Covington, and I say he's right there with them in terms of his tenaciousness when the takedowns, the wrestling, the conditioning, the cardio, inside the inside the gym, he just is the guy that just keeps pounding on people. No matter what, I'm going to get that takedown. I'm going to chain wrestle you to death. I hit the single, can't get the single, go to the double, come back up onto the single, and then I'm going to basically just try to shuck you by, get to your back, hang on your head. Make all the, make, put the chain wrestling together to make you just feel exhausted as the fight goes on. But the thing, the one thing with Magomed Magomedov, man, is that he's got great cardio. He's got good conditioning. He trains with a lot of top level guys. He's seen everything that anything that Danny Sabatello is going to bring. When it comes to the wrestling, I don't think he's too concerned. He's like, go ahead. You can shoot on me. I don't care if you take me down. He's got good, he's got good wrestling. He's got good hood sweeps. He's got, he's got the, he's got a really good ability of getting back to his feet. He's good on the neck. I think that's where I kind of separate the two is the submission game is the most is that sure. He might be able to continue to take him, take down Magomed Magomedov, but Magomedov is going to be able to threaten the guillotines, the Darces, all of those things. Much more dangerous with the submission game. Yeah. He's got the lanky body style that allows him to set up certain things, you know, just proving necktie style stuff. The, the, the uh, Darce and the, and the guillotines, all of those things. You can probably look for him to start start trying to get set up on Danny Sabatello as Danny starts to wrestle. Danny's really good at shooting the double and turning the corner. So he's not leaving yep. his neck on the outside too long. He's fantastic at that. And the way he covers distance, when you guys watch him fight, the way he covers distance on his takedowns, he'll shoot from six feet away. I wouldn't Timing. advise that on mo- for most fighters. But man, he covers distance and he covers it fast. But it's, this is going to be for a fun fight because... Danny Sabatello is going to talk all this shit. And Magomed Magomed, I was not going to understand a damn word of it. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and then he's going to talk all this shit after the fight if he does win. And guess what? The crowd's not going to understand. The crowd's not going to understand a damn thing of it. So it's going to be for a fun fight. And then the next fight, though, is Lorenz Larkin versus Andre Korshkov. I look at Korshkov being dynamic on the feet, fantastic. Larkin's like a sniper, fast, slick, all of these things. The two of them, fantastic strikers. I'm looking for this fight to hopefully stay on the, stay on the feet. But look, we saw when Korshkov fought, uh, Douglas Lima. He was shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. He did it well for about four rounds, getting the takedown after takedown after takedown. Then he got tired. He's got the wrestling to take Larkin down. The easy way for him to win this fight is going to be getting the takedown. But Larkin's footwork and his movement, Douglas Lima will stand in front of you and try to hit you with the big shot. Larkin doesn't do that. Larkin will, he will, he will be on the outside dancing and moving and, and land on the strikes. You get in close in the clinch. He'll let the elbows go as we saw in his last fight. Then he'll make space and try to finish you off with a kick. He'll do anything to keep you from taking him down. And when he does hit the ground, he never settles in, John. He's the guy that his butt hits and he bounces right back up, tries to get back to his feet. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But you know, let's go back to their first fight because these guys have fought before, and it was mm-hmm. Korshkov was using the same game plan that he had against Douglas Lehman. Let, let me take him down. Let me take him down. Let me take him down. And that's when he got hurt, and that's when Larkin really started putting it on him because he's not easy to take down, and he does. He comes back at you with strikes, and he comes back at you to hurt you. Korshkov's going to have to take a look and say. Yeah, I might want to use my wrestling, but I got to I have to use it in a in a systematic fashion, timing my shots at the right time, because I can't take the big shot from Larkin. Yep, I agree. 
Well, hey, that's going to wrap up our Bellator talk, and uh, that's happening now. Remember, the time change, all of these things are going to be available for uh, this, so check out your local showing times. Um, it should be on bellator.com. should be also on Showtime's uh, website as well, so check it all out there. Um, I'm not sure. There won't be any prelims. There's only the five fights. That's it. No, five so fights. we're not going to take up too much of your time. Also, go to OnlyFans.com slash weighing in. OnlyFans.com slash weighing in. Subscribe to us over there. Uh, look, like I said, I continue to say this, and I'll, uh, I think I'm going to continue to say this over. They are building a sports network. They've developed a sports um, division, and they're really trying to bring out more athletes. So if you guys have connection with any other athletes, you know, tell them to give uh, give um, OnlyFans a call. Look, they're, they're doing well. They want to try to get more athletes on their platform to try to create a new uh, way for athletes to make money. They brought us on. We are the very first podcast that they have ever worked with. I'm actually in talks right now with Paige Van Zant and Austin Vanderford. It's so funny. Uh, they must have heard us talking about them just recently, and they just hit us up going, hey, we're going to be starting a podcast that we want to put on our OnlyFans channel. And they do some funny shit, man. So looking forward. They are hilarious. They're a cute they couple, are. man. When you hang out with them oh, and you great. get around them, they're great people. They're great because they don't take anything serious, and they just have fun. Yeah. That's what yeah, Austin and I have fun. One of the last times I saw Austin, we were uh, out hanging out in um, in Mohegan Sun, and we hit the tables for a bit, and we both came up pretty well. We think we came up about a thousand bucks, about nine hundred bucks for me. It was about nine hundred. I think it was for him a little bit more. I think he came up a little bit more than me. But yeah, we were playing uh, some Texas Hold'em, man. It was we had a good time. We were making some money, and she, you know, and she was she was all behind it as long as he wasn't losing. <laughs> there you go. Just don't lose any uh, of but that. But it was money. it was a great time. But go to OnlyFans.com slash Wayne in. Subscribe with us over there. We've got about 500 subscribers. We're trying to build that back up. We're trying to build that back up. We're trying to build it up, period. But uh, everything is free right now. It's all free. Check up our content over there. I'm going to be posting a lot more on there coming up. This is Japan trip. My entry into Japan. When I meet up with Big John, when we walk around, we're touring around. Check us all out. We're going to be in Japan. And uh, I'm going to be posting some of that. It's going to be fun. We're going to have some fun. So man, I don't know if they have line bikes over there. We're going to find out. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, all right. But what else you got for us, Dave? You got some news, right? We'll touch on yeah, a couple we'll topics. To, we'll go into two stories here. Our first one is um, is Ben Askren posting a screenshot of Dana White texting him um, to do with the BMF belt. And Ben Askren says he would love that fight back. Uh, George then posts a screenshot from the actual fight itself of him punching Askren after the knee and says, <laughs> is this guy still alive? question mark but uh, it sounds like asking serious he would come out of retirement he even posted a picture of himself shredded on instagram and said um he'd come out of retirement for just george shredded hold shredded? it uh, let me see this picture okay, let me I see this picture you speak i of. can't shredded. see anything so i'm gonna go with you josh i've known ben asking for a long time He's never shredded <laughs> never shredded <laughs> right, let's see. let me see this picture hey, let me as see close to shred as you can get for ben asking really oh, pretty good eh? That's not too shabby there, buddy. There you go, John. Let me show you this picture. Let's see. Oh, whoops, that's me. <laughs> there you go. That's not bad for Ben. No, for Ben, that's good shape. Yeah. That's good. Ben's looking good. Go. Well, I mean, the hip, what? The hip is doing well. Well, Ben, I mean, like, look, uh, Gamebred's got his own promotion. He's, he's throwing some look, fights. Stop. Stop. <laughs> stop. No. God damn it. John, I want to see this fight. John, John, do it. Jesus do it, John. Christ. Let him fight, no. John. Let him fight. No. God no. <laughs> God no. First off, I heard oh, I heard it was I, bo- that it, I heard he was even saying I'll box you. 
Oh no! Please don't do that. Yes, I, I thought we were talking an MMA fight. Okay, if you're no, in an no, MMA no, fight, no, no. then I'm all for it. But no, I'll box you. It's like what? Stop! That is not like Ben would be target practice. Oh yes, <clears throat> target practice. Look, if they you were going to do an, an if they were going to do an MMA fight, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay to see that again. Yeah, look at Ben Askren was it was a really good fighter. For MMA, as far as he utilized his style, he didn't try to be something he wasn't. And man, he yeah. he was undefeated for a long time, and he fought some good fighters. You know, towards the tail end of his career, he had a lot of injuries, and he wasn't quite the same guy. And that's what happens when you're not quite the same guy. But you know, you take a look and you go. From what I'm hearing is, oh, they're talking about oh, doing it as a boxing match. No. God no, no, please no, please please. <laughs> Please, no, I won't even. I won't even think about it. like if you say boxing to me. I'm like, nah, I'm good, bro. I'm not oh, gonna even tune in. Send me no. the send me the screenshot after it's over, which is like 35, yes. maybe a minute in, <laughs> maybe a minute and a half in. Let me know when it's over. All right, uh, what else? What other news you got? All right, let's look at this last one here. Um, Pat Miletich is uh, booked for a comeback fight against yes, uh, he Mike is. Jackson. Did you hear about 57 this? 57 year um, old Pat Miletich, you crazy fuck. But who is he fighting? Who is he fighting, Josh? Some guy named Mike Jackson, the guy that Jake Shields punked inside the <laughs> Exactly. Extreme Couture's. Man. What is going on? It's all on? tied in with that stuff. It's all tied in it with that. I mean, that, all you have to yeah. do is just think that. Look, look at what, look, look who Pat Miletich is and all the history and of Pat And let's Milicic. take a look at who Mike Jackson is as exactly. a fighter. Stop. Yeah. Pat Miller's is going to, I think he's going to take him down, beat the shit out of him. That's all he's got to do. Yep. Yeah. Look at it. Even at 57, look, Mike Jackson was never a uh, good wrestler. He was a guy that kind of boxed a little bit. And he's going to get taken down by a 57-year-old man and fucked up. And I just want to say, thank you, Pat. I appreciate it. He needs it. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel, John. Uh, you don't sit there and call people uh, Nazis. Oh, I know. Okay, that's a childish person. That you know what? Grow up. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you on this point. Yeah. Um. All right. What else you got for us? That's it. Wait. You know what? Look, can you pull up? Now nah, let's. Do, we'll do it another time. <laughs> it's, no, it's pull good. it up. We had a pull well, it up. You know what? We didn't talk about the one Archuleta fight, and he's the main event. We didn't talk. About we yeah. didn't talk about that. Can you pull that up for us, Dave? He's the main event, main event on the Rising card. He's a Bellator fighter fighting for the Rising. No, he, uh, is is he the main event? I think he's the co-main. Is he the co-main? I think he's the co-main. We're not calling that fight. It's going to be the. That's for Rising. Oh yeah, he's the co-main. Yeah, is he co-main? Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. No, he's the co-main. Yeah. Asakura, huh? Fighting um, Karamov. Yep. Should be a good fight. But then you got Juan Archuleta. I didn't want to murder this guy's last name. <clears throat> Oki Ogi Kubo. Ogi Kubo. Ogi Kubo. John, you know what I've learned, John? That you just say names fast. I don't know a goddamn thing. <laughs> you don't know how. <laughs> I, I actually, I Ogi, Ogi Kubo just fought uh, Horiguchi. Yes. In Japan on uh, New Year's Eve. So I, I had to know his name. Gotcha. See, so it's, it, it's easier when I, there's someone that I actually had to work with. Okay, it's Ogi Kubo. Yeah, uh, I knew who he is. He's good. He's a tough dude. He's, he 
I want to say that he's fought Horaguchi three times. Three now. times, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and he he's tough, but he, man, he t- he takes some big shots and he just keeps on coming back, man. Uh, it's gonna be a tough fight for him well, against Archuleta. I got to be honest, man. Juan Juan is somebody that he, he's got the cardio, he's got he's got the endurance. But the last the last time he fought in Japan, he came in trying to be a showman. And that just that dump right. happened. He just didn't have the performance that, not the last time. Sorry, yeah, it was the last time that he thought he no, was going to have. Last time. The, yeah. It was the last time. Yeah, he just didn't have the performance that he thought he should have had. Which we've seen him fight a lot better. But that 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 travel, that being there in Japan, it's a lot. I fought there a couple yeah. times, and it's it's a lot. It's there's so the time change going back instead of going sorry going forward a whole day, pretty much. And, um, you know, it's, there's a lot going on, you know, Forrest Griffin made, he talked about it quite a bit talking about how he cuts a lot of weight and he just didn't want to leave. You know, he didn't want to leave Vegas. He only wanted to fight in Vegas. They offered him fights in different areas. He's like, no, I'm not, I'm just going to fight only in Vegas. So every time they had a fight in Vegas, he took it, man, he'd love it at the apex. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he would. He, you know, Forrest Griffin, he came to AKA a couple of times to train and one time, man. I remember some guys like the coaches on the outside were trying to give him tips as he was being as he was sparring, and he literally turned to them in the middle of the fucking sparring. He says, "We just shut the fuck up. I'm trying to fucking spar here." <laughs> he was he was that guy. I oh, was, he was. I had never. Way, I had never I, heard I, someone I t- talk to I a coach to, that way. I used to tell people all the time, "Look at Forrest Griffin is not who you think. He is not some fucking hillbilly fucking hick who no. is." You know, coming in from Georgia and all stupid. First off, he's very intelligent. Very intelligent. And he will fucking tell you off in a heartbeat. I'll tell you, this is the way it's going to fucking be. Yeah. <laughs> he is. He does not play. He is not Mr. Everyone thinks he's all shucks. No, he's not. No, he's not. Yep. No. And, he, and the other part of him, man, he he still has the first fucking nickel he ever fucking made in fighting. He is oh. smart with his money. Well, John, I don't, I don't know if you guys know the story, but those of you guys that are listening to us, he won that Scion, right? That little tiny Scion from the Ultimate Fighter. Oh, yeah. He drove the that Ultimate shit, Fighter. Yeah, he drove that shit around, I think, until it finally just kaputted on him. It died. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he drove that it around. He, he's like, I don't give a fuck. He never had yeah. a nice car. He, he's like, I finally had yeah. to go get another car. I think I want to say it was probably just about seven years ago. I mean, when did, he, when did that show come on? He drove that shit for about 13 years or some crap. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy easy. to me. That's just insane yeah. to me. They drove. Well, the, the the other part is you look at him. Look, he's still working for the UFC. You you know why? Well, he's catching the guys that are falling down on slap. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not even going with that. Uh, look, at the one you know, there was a couple of people who were, you know, Chuck Liddell and Matt yep. Hughes kind of had jobs that they really weren't working. Yeah. Well, Dana kind of set that up for four. Showed up to work. Forrest says, no, 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 I, I, I want work. Yeah. And he was there at the offices saying, what do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? And, you know, he's made himself a, you know, commodity there, you know, outside of fighting as a, as a helpful coach, as a guy who runs their, you know, that whole gym. That's Forrest Griffin running it. You know, yep. does a great job. No, he's fantastic, man. He's a great guy, but it was just funny because he comes in, like you said, I just thought he was the happy-go-lucky, you know, this and that, and then he came in, I was watching. He was happy-go-lucky when he walked in the gym. He looked tired because, you know, he had a couple good sessions earlier in the day. 
but he came into spar and I just remember guys were coaching on the side and you know, he was Bob cook and Javier and a couple other side coaches. And they're like, you know, move, you know, move your head offline, do this. And he finally stopped in the middle of the spar and just looked over and goes, Hey, I would, if you don't just shut the fuck up. And I was like, Whoa. Okay. That's a side of you. I hadn't seen. And it wasn't like he was getting smoked and sparring. He was doing good, but everybody was chirping. Was Cause you know, when you have someone new in the gym, and, you know, and at the time he was managed, I think, by uh, Bob Cook. He had someone new in the gym. And he's and he and just everyone felt like they had to say something. And he was he just got nah, just shut up. And I was oh, shit. But it was great. It was great, man. It was great having him in. All right. Well, hey, guys, this is going to wrap up our show. Thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, we want to thank you guys so much. And uh, and John's just happened to drop off right at the right moment, right before we send it off to John to say see ya. So guess what I'm going to say is thank you guys so much. And we will. See ya. When we get back from Japan next week, we will, our show will drop late because we don't land back here until Monday. So we're going to have probably a double show on Tuesday and Wednesday. We'll probably even do a live show to kind of make up to you guys and uh, do a lecture content for you guys next week. I want to thank you guys and we will see ya.